The business always takes care of you if you take care of your people. And so see people how you really think they can become, not as they are. Because people saw me as I could become, it taught me to see others how they can become. That voice you just heard is Larry Manley, one of the highest producing field managers in the history of the Cutco Vector Marketing Sales Organization. Through humble beginnings with the company, Larry was encouraged and developed by the leaders in his life. Now, Larry is known as one of the company's most encouraging and inspiring leaders, and his track record of developing other leaders is unparalleled. Get ready for the stories, wisdom, and insight of the legend, Larry Manley. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everybody. We're going to have a lot of fun today because my guest is Mr. Larry Manley, who is affectionately known as the legend in our circles. Larry is a 31-year veteran of the Cutco Vector Marketing business, having started back in 1988, same year that I started, Larry. And he became a district manager in 1990 in Dayton, Ohio. And several years later, Larry had a chance to move to North Carolina. There were no offices in North Carolina when Larry moved there. He became the division manager of the Carolina division in 1997 and built from scratch what has become one of the most consistently excellent organizations in the history of the company. And along the way, Larry has actually developed five division managers who have come out of his sales office or his sales division. He's responsible for well over $100 million in Cutco sales. Definitely a legend here in the Vector business. So Larry, thanks so much for making the time to be on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you, Dan, for having me. Yeah. I'm looking forward to having a lot of fun with this conversation because Larry is definitely known as one of the most fun people in all of Vector Marketing. So Larry, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background first and your path before you worked in Vector? I know there's some interesting things that you can share from that uh, part of your life. So take it away. Sure. Grew up in a small town in uh, in Ohio, about 4,000 people. No McDonald's or anything in the town. We had to go about 20 minutes from Mickey D's. And uh, grew up a Ohio State Buckeye fan, of course. Mom and dad divorced when I was about 11. And uh, my mom really worked hard to raise myself and my little brother. And uh, never had much. And uh, But I think it helped me you know, really appreciate things along the way. And then had a few jobs in my BC days before Cutco. Uh, one was at uh, Arby's. Served some roast beef sandwiches up. 
<laughs> um, another one was as a uh, road worker filling cracks out on the road. So as a, a crack filler. And then, of course, I worked at a funeral home and that, that was, you know, business was kind of dead. So I had to get out of there. So that was my the only other three jobs I've ever had uh, before Cutco. And um, since I've been with Cutco, actually, I've never even went on a job interview in the last 31 and a half years and um, never had never written up a resume or anything. It's just just been tunnel vision. And I just took it one year at a time. I never really planned on making it a career necessarily. But uh, here I am. So. Yeah, I never thought I'd be here for 31 years back when I started in 1988 either. But, you know, when you're consistently successful at something at a high level and you love what you do and you have great people around you, it's just uh, very easy to stick around, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I think uh, you've been consistently higher at a more consistent pace than I've been. I've had some ups and downs along the way, but I love the people, love the company, love the product. I mean, so I just kind of just kind of re-signed up for a year at a year or two or three at a time and and here I am. So Yeah. How did you end up starting Vector? I actually saw a flyer at school. Back then it was uh permissible to put it on cars and came out and saw something under my windshield wiper. I was hoping it was a pizza coupon or free pizza or something. And uh it was like eight dollars an appointment or something like that, which I think was the pay rate in eighty eight in Ohio anyway. Might have been a little more in California, but and I uh, called up Next thing I know, I'm in an interview watching a pair of scissors cut through a penny. <laughs> yeah, the per demo pay rate in California was was nine seventy five, so it wasn't much higher. But uh, yeah. but I, it's funny how things have changed uh, ever since those days back then. So listen, I know you've had some really transformational experiences along the way in your career, and I'd love for you to talk about some of the times that stand out most and uh, what you learned from those experiences. So maybe start out with. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, story of being a rep? Yeah, I think for me, the first big one as a rep, I think there's a couple things. One, I didn't get my first $100 paycheck till like six weeks. And I still remember that first check that was over $100, which seems silly now, but back then as a big deal, as $106 and some change. And then um, I started to get a little bit of momentum and our region was having a contest for a cruise. And being a small town kid in Ohio, I've never even flown on an airplane at this point. And I remember my manager, Bert Harbin, saying, hey, you know what? You could win this thing. You could win this cruise at the end of the summer. And at first, I didn't believe him. And he broke down the numbers. And he had more belief in me than I did at that time. And sure enough, I started to get closer and closer. And then it became a a reality that I could actually do this. And so that was a big deal for me as as really a 19-year-old kid. I won a cruise, got to fly on an airplane, first of all. Then go on a boat, both first for me at that stage of my life. And it was one of those things that just tied me in. I was like, man, this is awesome. The people are so much fun. And, and so I, I learned a lesson there about, you know, one, I could do more than maybe I thought I could do. I was more than I was capable. And two, later in life, I learned that my leader believed in me more than I believed in myself at that time. And so that served me well later when I got into leadership management with the company. Yeah, wow. So Bert Harbin was your original manager. And uh, the comment about him believing in you and helping you to see more in yourself, such a common thread among people who have succeeded in Vector. It was there was somebody else there that helped me see more of what I could do. There's this video that I used to always play for my team of a mountain climber 
talking about some of the different challenges that he would take on, that he took on. And he, uh, he, at the end of the video, he says, if we could all create our own personal mountain, and this would be the mountain that would be the greatest thing we could possibly climb, like the highest, the hardest, the, the most difficult challenge we could possibly overcome in our life. He said every single person would, would create a mountain that was only 50% of what they could actually do. And, and I always remember hearing that and just thinking, whatever it is that I'm seeking to accomplish, whatever goals I set, right, that there's so much more that's possible. And I might not be able to see it now, but that it's there. It's there. And that, you know, through growth and through progress, we can really become great. And I think that's really the story of your career is growing, progressing, learning, improving, and becoming great. How about in your management career? I know you've got some some compelling stories from your management career oh, yeah. that you can share. For sure. I, I remember moving to a new territory to become a DM at the end of my branch summer. I made two trips to move and I had 28 sample kits stolen. And back then there's more in the kit. So it was about a hundred dollars a pop that I owed the companies. I owed them basically three grand. I was already behind a few grand on bills because I was silly with my money as a, as a young kid and um, starting in the hole. And then that first campaign, I thought I was going to kill it. And I did about 45000 in sales, which is not very much for an office in a campaign. That spring, we did 28000 I don't know how I managed to go backwards from forty five, but I did, you know, to, to tune a, a lot backwards, right? And I remember, you know, just, just trying to make it, you know, and, and I remember scraping some change out of my car for a Lunchable, you know, one time. I remember going cross-training with a, a gentleman named Mike Bella. And it really opened up my eyes. And then a big moment was that at that summer, we had a, a national sales manager at the time named Mike Lancelot, who it's a familiar name to a lot of people in, the, in vector circles. He became our CEO after that. And I remember at the end of the summer, it was the very end of August, very end of the campaign, our office actually won a trophy and we did 108,000 for the summer, which was not very much as a district manager. Matter of fact, the previous summer, I did 108 as a branch. For the record, I did beat that branch by a couple hundred dollars, by the way. But I remember Mike Lancelot saying, Larry, and I'm sure he was given this information, but he goes, you just did about 70% of your summer the last two months. You're going to have an amazing wind-up campaign. You have so much momentum. You're going to be such a great district manager. And it just filled me up from being really disappointed in my summer to thinking, yeah, and then that fall, we did about 90 grand in, in what's, what's really new business, you know, because back then it was mo almost all new. And so we were top 10 in the company back then. Mm -hmm. And then 140 in the spring, top five. So from one spring, we did 28 grand. The next spring, 140, bottom five in the company, <laughs> literally out of a few hundred to top five. And it just taught me so much about, you know, not giving up, about the power of confidence. The power of belief that, you know, work ethic and just confidence and belief and, you know, and, and having fun in the business. I mean, there's so many things that changed from that one spring to the next. And it started with a, another example of a leader believing in me. And that's a, a lesson I learned was to see people how you really think they can become, not as they are. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was a tough first year as a manager. but. I'm so glad I didn't give up. And there are times where it was close. My division manager helped me out with a couple hundred bucks once to keep my electricity on. 
And then I look back now, it's like, you know, I, in my mind right now, I've just got the life. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome, but you know, it didn't start that way. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Larry, the parallels that we have in our careers, not just having started in 1988, but beyond that, in my first fall, and for context for anybody who, you know, isn't part of Vector, you know, doesn't know Vector's history dating back to the Stone Age, I was a number one branch manager in the company in 1991. And then in 92, I became a DM and expected I would do more business than I had done as a branch. And, you know, I had done 311 as a branch and thought, well, I'll just, I'll do at least 400 now that I'm a DM. And I promptly did 170. And then just like you, we struggled the first fall and spring. We did 50,000 in the first fall and then 46,000 in the first spring. And we're really spiraling downward in March. You know, the spring for Vector is January through April. In March, we were really spiraling down before I felt like I kind of pulled my head out of my butt and figured things out and, you know, moved forward in April. And so I can really relate to those struggles. And then like you, the following spring, you know, we had really stepped up and we actually were competing. I can remember we were competing with John Kane to be number one in the company for the spring. And I think it's so inspirational for people to hear your struggles because it just really shows that even the most elite managers in the company, people who are looked upon with awe throughout the company, didn't necessarily all start out, you know, with a lot of success. There are those, you know, rocket ship starts like the Drew Franks of the world. But I think there's a lot more of the Larry Manleys that had challenges and overcame those challenges in order to become successful. What do you feel like is the mindset that's important for people who are struggling in whatever it is that they're doing, whether it's this business or some other business or something in life? What is the mindset that helps you to get past those challenges and to become successful eventually? Well, I think about, you know, when I grew up, my mother always said, if there wasn't the valleys, there wouldn't be the peaks. And so that was a good mindset that I had grown up from instilled from my mother. Then I think about, I remember one time I heard Anthony Robbins say, try and till, you know, and I think he gave an example of how long do we let a baby try to walk until we tell them they can't walk? Yeah, it's amazing. Almost everybody on the planet can walk because they try and till. And so for me, whether somebody's in the business of, of Cutco or not, it's do you do something that you enjoy and something you can believe in? And, and for me, with our business, it's something I've always believed in as far as the core values of the company. I've always been treated well with the company and treated fairly, but nothing's ever given to to us, just like in, in anything in life. And so I think about that. And I think about sometimes the, the old adage of fake it till you make it, you know, and having confidence while you're developing confidence and acting as if ahead of time. And the more that we act as if, the more confident we act, the more we feel that way, just like the more energy we we portray having even if, even if we're tired we feel more energetic and i just think our mind's so powerful it can it can trick ourselves and we can do it any way we want on a negative front or a positive front and so and then yeah. uh you know and just thinking about you know what's the worst that could happen right like it's gonna it's gonna get better if, if you're ever in, in a downtime and um sometimes you have to, to experience that pain to want to change because 
I heard Amar Devay say one time, change is hard for those who want to change. So sometimes I had to experience that before I, you know, was willing to, to, you know, dig a little deeper and work a little harder. But also it's not always about how hard you work. It's to me, the confidence that we have and the, the mindset, you know, and, and just deciding I'm not, you know, quitting's not an option. I'm not going to give up. Yeah, you definitely have had that mindset. And I think the key to developing confidence, you know, before you truly have the results is clarity of your goals and it's clarity of your plan or your path to get to those goals. The clearer people are about what they want to achieve, you know, what you want to achieve the rest of this year or what you want to achieve next year, the clearer you can get on that. And then the clearer you can make the plan so that you can see the path, breaking down your goals, understanding the pieces of the puzzle that you have to put together in order to get what you want, the more confident you can be that you will actually do it. And that was always the process for me that I followed in trying to achieve goals is, you know, hey, I want to accomplish something pretty big, but let me break it down to the the parts that I know I can do. And let me just go to work on those parts. And if I can, if I can achieve, you know, step number one, then I can achieve step number two. And if I, if I can achieve step number two, I can achieve all the steps eventually mm-hmm. to be able to get to my goals. And that was always how I derived some confidence as well. Yeah, I love that. You know, you, um, Larry, you have a track record of developing top leaders. Uh, that is, you know, one of the most amazing track records in this company of any of our division managers or even region managers right now. You've turned out five division managers who either work directly in your office or within your division. Bowen Asserson was the first, and then Matt King, who became one of the top division managers in the history of our company. I know Trey Harris worked in your office for a while before working with Matt King. Trey Ketchum, who is currently one of our top division managers, Brian Hurlman, right? Who's newer as a division manager, but right now is one of the top managers running, the top manager running an office uh, this year, at least in terms of new business sales in the company. So you have turned out some really amazing leaders. And I just want to get into your mind a little bit on, you know, what do you feel has enabled you to be so great at developing other top leaders? That's a good question, Dan. Part of it, I would say, is just I've been a DVN so long, right? So part of it's just, yeah, I've had a lot of chances. I think I, I reference seeing people as they can become, and, and that influenced my career. And I think because people saw me as I could become, it taught me to see others how they can become. You know, some people don't realize Brian Herlman showed in, into training late, wearing sunglasses, untucked shirt, and he was a kid right out of high school. But, you know, he had a front row seat and uh, he tried to slip in the back. I go, no, I saved you a seat up here, right by, right by me, Brian. And uh, when I trained him to sell cocktail. But, but you know, Brian is somebody who's had ups and downs. Uh, Trey Ketchum's been pretty consistently successful at a super high level. Trey Harris has had some ups and downs. And so, you know, I think about, you know, just seeing people as they become. And, and I openly talk about it as a DVM, hey, Carolina, we create and develop division managers. And that's one of the things I want to do. I've always looked at it as a challenge when I promote a division manager like Brian Hurlman in replacing that CPO in, in sales. If you're not with Cucko CPO sales and just it's a challenge to me. And I always, you know, I've always felt like the business always takes care of you if you take care of your people. And so 
I always wanted to promote people out. I think relationships obviously has a big part in it, but I think just instilling belief and, and, you know, early in their careers, you know, sometimes I would say, Hey, I could see you as the next great division manager out of Carolina. And I don't say that to everybody. So it's not, it's not just fluff. It's I purposely look for those type of people who I can see the, that potential. And I'm not afraid to tell them that sometimes before they've even branched, you know, I, so I could, but, uh, targeting is a key element of creating leaders it's uh you know looking for certain traits or qualities what are some of the things you feel like you look like you look for in the early stages of a rep's career or a young manager's career that are those signs that you know they've got what it takes well i think i think you know track record of selling cutco doesn't hurt but i think more importantly than that sometimes is work ethic you know, do I like their, their values, their core values? Do they align with what we're doing in Carolina and, and just, you know, and how they treat people? I think I heard Chris Heigl say this one time, what you appreciate, appreciates. And I say that that's a mantra throughout Carolina that appreciating the opportunity, respecting the opportunity that it really, you know, it's, it's something I try to instill in Carolina. And I look for, you know, the other thing, if I'm talking about somebody who could become a division manager, I look for the it factor is what I call it. And, uh, and it's easy to see that some people have it. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer that skills can be developed. And I'm not sure if you call the it factor a skill or not, but that's a, that's a tougher one to develop because it's, it's how you carry yourself. It's that charisma. It's that, you know, but I'm also a big believer that character is more important than charisma. And so those are some things I try to look for you know, when I'm looking for, for future leaders and whether it's a branch district or division. And, and I, I will let people know that ahead of time that even if they, they may have only sold $10,000 worth of Cutco and I might say, Hey, I could see you as a, as a great branch manager, but it's gotta be authentic, right? It's gotta be real. It can't just be me saying it. Yeah. It's, it definitely, it starts with track record, people showing some signs of success, but beyond that, like you said, the work ethic, that they demonstrate because some reps get lucky to sell a lot and other people bust their butts and struggle a little bit. And you certainly know that it's those people that are busting their butts that are the ones that are going to be able to be most successful in the long term if they maintain that, that when the skills match the work ethic, it becomes, you know, a, a combustible. And then what you said about values, right? Like trying to look inside someone's heart to what are their values and do they you know, share the same values that you share? Uh, Do they demonstrate the same level of integrity, you know, that you have? Because I think that's really a critical element to being a good leader. Without that, you know, somebody's typically building a house of cards. And so you're looking for that in the early stages as well. And and then what I would also add that I, I thought about just as you were sharing is what came to my mind is the word willingness, Right, a willingness to learn, a willingness to take on the challenge, you know, a willingness to, you know, be a good mentee, you know, and following your lead. And it seems like, you know, these are people that you've worked with that have all demonstrated that. Yeah. Growth mindset kind of goes with that willingness. And I think for a new manager sometimes or a new leader, whatever, whatever profession, appreciating the grind and realizing that. You know, in, in our business, I tell new district managers that that you have to appreciate, not just not just do it. You have to appreciate it, embrace it, because if you do that over that first year or two, your skills will develop. That'll that'll catch up, and then you have the right habits. Yeah, that's awesome. 
How about uh, what are some of the ways that you strive to build relationships with some of these leaders as they're cropping up in your organization? What are some of the steps you take to build those relationships with them? Well, I think a couple things come to mind. One is, is spending time with them, you know, not just in the business, but outside the office, trying to be a good role model and mentor for them, you know, and I've had ups and downs and I, you know, I certainly make mistakes, but trying to be a good role model and mentor for them. The old adage of people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And so, you know, do they know that I, I want them to be successful for them? You know, I care about them more than just for uh, the sales part. And it's got to be, I mean, I think people can sense that. I try to be overly honest is and over communicate. And I say that tongue in cheek, overly honest, because somebody's honest or they're not, but I'm very direct, very straightforward. I, I think it's important that, you know, trust is really that foundation to the relationship. And so one thing I think people may not always like what I have to tell them, but they know I'm going to be straightforward with them. And if I, if, you know, if they know I'm going to be honest with them and I care about them and I'm committed to their success for more than just the sales part for what it does for me, but for them, then, you know, it's, it's pretty easy. And then, and then of course, having common ground, you know, I'm a sports guy. So it seems to be some of the guys, not everybody I've developed, but some of the men and women I've developed like sports, but also getting in their world and what, what do they like and what's important to them as well. Yeah, that's great. Who do you feel like are some of the people in your life or your career that uh, exemplify great leadership? And, and what do you think people could learn from them? Well, a couple people. One is my, my ex-father-in-law, Grant Kurtz. He is one of the nicest, if not the nicest, most genuine person that I've ever met. He was a CEO of a, of a brokerage firm. And he was very liked, very well liked, but yet respected. And I think for leaders, that showed me that, hey, can I have people not just respect me, but like me? And I think in today's world with the millennials and today's generation, I tell our leaders today, that's even more important than ever. I think people, that may be the first thing that they look for is, do I like that person? But just very genuine, very nice. Marty Dimitrovich was was somebody that had a profound influence on my career. One of the nicest rich guys I've ever known in my life. And then I think about, you know, my division manager, Bert Harvin, profound impact and Tom Quinty, big impact on me when I was young, you know, teaching me things. I, I remember Tom Quinty having a talk with me about being on time and how it was disrespectful to somebody else's time. And that's not how you treat people. And I still remember that. And then, you know, in, in the business growing up, I mean, you know, I, I love our division manager team in the Eastern region, you know, Trey Harris, Trey Ketchum, Brian Hurlman, Jeff Gamble, and Ben Jackson. They've, they've had a big impact on me. Amarda Vey, huge impact of, of how to, Amarda Vey kind of personifies the it factor, you know, to me. He's one of the greatest developers of people. And, and so I try to emulate him a lot, but at the same time, I have to be myself. And I've been very, very fortunate to work with Amarda Vey, Scott Dennis, who I look at as one of the greatest leaders in the history of the company and one of the greatest mentors and leaders I've ever had. And I, I'm blessed to work with him. Uh, Lloyd Reagan was my RSD and I got to learn from him and see how much, how competitive he is, but how fun he is and how he, he makes the business. Where Scott's competitive, but more meticulous and he has fun too. And then, you know, Marta Bay was just like the, the example of the it factor and just the aura 
and just how people just gravitated to him because they wanted to be in his circle. So, you know, those are people that just had great, great impacts on me and just uh, continue to do so. Yeah. What about some of the people who you've developed? Like, what have you seen come out of them? Like, maybe you could speak about Brian or Trey Ketchum or some of the people you've developed and what you've seen grow out of those guys from the time they were young and raw to uh, the time they've become these amazing professional leaders. Well, Brian and Trey have taken different paths. You know, Trey Ketchum was like that meteoric success, like that rocket blasting off you described. Mm-hmm. He was just always, I, I look at Trey as somebody that's just always successful at whatever ever he did. He was my full-time pilot sales manager at Dom year-round while he went to Carolina, UNC Chapel Hill, taking a full load of class and running the office. Wow. And he is just somebody, when I think of Trey Ketchum, I think of a, of a work ethic, expectation of excellence. And he's somebody that's great at demanding a lot of others, but he demands so much more of himself first. Mm-hmm. And I always try to tell people, hey, it's hard to hold people accountable if you're not holding yourself accountable. And Trey Ketchum is, is a great example of that. Brian Hurlman had some early downs in his career as a district manager. And we had to have a couple very serious conversations if he was going to continue. And for him, it was just maturing and growing up. But when I think of Brian Hurlman, I think of somebody who can get, he can get people to run through a brick wall for him. He's so, such a good public speaker, such great energy, passion, belief, and he expects excellence as well. And that's the other thing is they both demand excellence of themselves and of, of their people. They, they expect it. I, I guess maybe demand, you know, they command it more, but rather than demand, but it's one of those things where they both have such high expectations and, and extreme confidence. Those two are two of the most confident young people I've, I've ever, ever been around. Yeah. It, it was cool to hear you talk about Brian's passion and energy. I think anybody in the company who knows him or has seen him speak realizes exactly what you're saying. It's like he is on fire and he exhibits something that I think most people are, they're never around anywhere else. And when they see it in Brian, they realize like, oh my gosh, like there's a, there's a side to me that I could bring out that shows passion, that has this kind of dynamic energy. And I, and I just think everybody could learn a little bit about uh, communicating powerfully from watching Brian. I don't think everybody necessarily can be Brian or exactly emulate Brian, but that by observing him, being around him, we can all learn to bring out more of the personal power that we have. And when I think about Trey, I think about a concept that Napoleon Hill shared in the book Think and Grow Rich many, many years ago. He talks about a concept he calls a success consciousness. And a success consciousness is all about just the way that you think, the expectations you have is just on such a high plane that it's, it's very difficult for you to fall, you know, very far below a certain level just because of your own expectations and your own way of thinking. And you can just see that like Trey thinks big about the things he wants to do. And he's got that confidence that is, is like palpable when you're around him. You can feel it. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's something about that that uh, I always wish more people could capture or be able to have. And and I think part of the answer to that is what you know uh, we talked about earlier, which is the idea of being clear on what you want in your life and then understanding how you're going to get there. You know, l- learning how to set goals and how to be able to 
make the plans to achieve those goals so that you can take the small steps and that building the kind of confidence of a Trey Ketchum does start with small steps and small success experiences. And he probably had a lot of small successes in his personal life before coming to Vector. And then that is sort of carried, you know, through into his Vector career. So, matter of fact, Dan, one thing I was going to mention about them both, which I think is a, a very interesting point, is they are both very fun people to be around, but in totally opposite ways. And so they, you know, I think it's important as a leader to be authentic and be yourself, but can you be that positive, powerful, fun, attractive type of personality, attractive where people want to be around you and they, you know, they want to develop with you. They and of course, they want to be like you. And so those are two different examples from different personalities, but they, their people want to emulate them. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you, you, know, you mentioned Amar Dave and the it factor, but there's one thing that's really terrible about Amar, Larry. You know what oh, that yeah. is? Yeah, I know. I, I'm not even going to say the word. I don't say the word that begins with M, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> that was very tough. Uh, there's about a 12-year span where we lost about 10 of them. And it was very tough working with him and uh, his organization during that time. Yeah. It's probably been good the last few years though, to be able to yeah. talk to Amar sometime in, you know, late November. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, so uh, 15 or 20 have been pretty good. What, <laughs> what do you feel like you're most proud of in your life or your career, Larry? My life it's it's easy. It's, it's to my two boys, uh, Grant and Austin. Grant's 20, just uh, sold Cutco to summer of 2017 and 2018. And uh, Austin just turned 18 June 30th and started selling Cutco this summer. Oh, cool. And, and, and uh, yeah, they're just very blessed to have those two. And, and, uh, and uh, it's awesome. And uh, Austin will be back next summer. And, and so it'll be fun. And working, training them to sell Cutco is kind of cool when it's your kid in the training. Was he in your office? Yeah. No. And and did, did you run the training or did your pilot yeah, manager run the training? Or? Pilot joint. Yeah. Joint. Yeah. That's so funny. I can't, I can't imagine oh, training so my own kids. I got until 2034 until, uh, or 2032 until my first one will be selling some Cutco. So I got the whole training kit so you can train them personally. Yeah. I got quite a while. Is there any other advice, Larry, you feel like you would like to give to a lot of the young entrepreneurs who would be listening to this podcast, whether it be people in Vector or out of Vector, but who aspire to have some of the same level of success that you've had? What could you share with them? Well, from a leader's perspective, I think it's just caring about your people. You know, I, I just want to see them succeed. And I think it's very important for me not to think about myself, you know, and, and I think in pretty much any business, if you're a leader and you can influence your people the right way and help them be successful, help them get what they want, then I've always felt like I'm always taken care of. Everything's going to be good for me if I don't think about me, if I just think about them and just, you know, top to bottom and in our company, whether it's uh, representatives, branch managers, district CSPs, you know, anywhere along the spectrum, can I just help enough, as many people as possible be successful? Can I help as many people as possible be successful at, at the highest level they can be and get what they want to get? And if I can do that, then that's, you know, I'm going to have a, a great career and a great life and, and be happy. 
Yeah, no doubt. There's that great Zig Ziglar quote where he says, if, if you help enough other people get what they want, you can have everything in life that you want. And it, you certainly have exemplified that in so many ways, Larry. And you have a, you have a, a life and career that uh, you can really be proud of. So, you know, this podcast is about changing lives. Uh, as you look into the future, Larry, how do you aspire to change people's lives through your work or through your influence? Well, I think I'm in a very blessed position where I get to work with 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds as, as representatives and development candidates when they're, when they're new in the business. And, and then, you know, a lot of them become districts or, or uh, branches and CSPs, and then a lot of them leave the business. And so for me, my hope, my true just intention is to help somebody. So at some point, if and when they leave the Cutco business, they take with them lessons they learned. They take with them philosophies about life, about happiness, about success, work ethic, honor, truth, and just they take that with them and, and they use that. My hope is that they use that to have a more fulfilled, happy, successful life at whatever they do in business and person. Um, and then for the people who do stay with me a long time, then I just want to do pour myself into them and, and my hope and just to help them be successful and teach and grow and develop them and help provide an environment that they can flourish in to become the best versions of themselves. And so whether somebody continues with Cuck or not, that's just my hope. And I try to do, do that. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of things I can improve on, but that's it. The, the, I just tend to be happier when I see people successful around me. And, and deep down inside, I know it's them, but maybe I had just a touch to do with it, or maybe I helped a little bit or nudged it along a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure you help, have helped people a lot, Larry. And, and it's it's cool to be able to, you know, see into your heart a little bit here in this conversation today and re really see the level with which you strive to help other people and that that's your main focus and that through that process you know that you're going to be a great division manager you're going to get paid a lot you're going to advance and have all the opportunities that you would want uh you know in your life through investing in your people impacting young people and and, and we have a great opportunity in this company to impact people at a time when it really can make a difference for the rest of their life we can shape their thoughts about the working world we can shape their thoughts about their relationships and we can shape their thoughts about all the things they're going to do their, their parenting and everything as you know as a as young people working with us and and uh, the people that have gotten a chance to come through your organization are very lucky indeed um you shared larry the idea earlier that uh, uh when you were talking about uh, grant kurtz that uh you wanted to be uh, liked and respected, right? That it's important to have both of those things, right? Be both respected and be liked. And what I know, Larry, from all the people I've encountered who have worked with you is that not only do your people respect you at the highest level, but they love you. It's not like your people love you. Um, and it's, you know, you're genuine, you're warm, you're fun. But while being this guy who's really fun, you're also serious about success and you're serious about helping people produce results and do well. And that whole package of you as a leader is what I think has made you so great. And it's definitely something I feel like everyone 
can learn from. So I just really want to acknowledge you for that and just want to say thank you so much for making some time to share some information with our audience here today. This has been great. Well, thank you, Dan, not just for having me, but those kind words as well. And I appreciate it. And that means a lot to me. And um, thank you for having me on your, on your podcast. Outstanding. See you soon, Larry. Thank you. See you. That was the legend, Larry Manley. Pretty cool to hear about Larry's early struggles as a manager And just the idea that there were people in his life who believed in him, starting with his original manager, Bert Harbin. And this has been a common thread among successful people uh, at all levels on this podcast is that there were people in their life who believed in them and encouraged them and helped them see more. And I just want to get you thinking about who are the people in your life who need you and your belief and your enthusiasm for their future your ability to help them see more. That was such a great concept that came out. Of course, Larry turned around and was that person, has been that person for so many others, targeting potential leaders who demonstrate results and work ethic and values and willingness, building relationships with those people through time, being a role model. Larry mentioned something real simple about a guy named Tom Quinty, that Tom taught Larry something as simple as being on time. And I think it's important to use teachable moments with all of our people when we can sit them down and share how certain actions, certain things that they do, how that makes people feel. What are the consequences of those actions or those decisions? And just helping people learn to make better decisions at all levels in their life. Loved talking with Larry about Trey Ketchum and Brian Hurlman, who are two of the superstars of our company, certainly two future guests on this podcast, and what they have brought to the table. And I just think it's important for everybody to think about, you know, who are you as your best leader, right? What is the picture of you as your best leader? What does it look like? How will it manifest as you become greater and greater as a leader in this organization or in life in whatever that you're doing? Uh, And being authentic as a leader, not trying to be someone else, but becoming your best self as a leader. Authenticity combined with a sincere desire to help other people. Jim Rohn calls it enlightened self-interest. It's the idea that we are all self-interested, you know, at some level, we're all striving to be able to advance and earn and do well and get the things that we want, but that the enlightened leader understands that the best and fastest way to get those things is by helping as many other people to get the things that they want, helping other people grow, helping other people advance, investing ourselves into the people around us. That's what circles back to benefit us at a much higher and greater level. I hope that you all enjoyed learning a little bit about Larry Manley today. Certainly one of my favorite people in the Vector Cutco organization and definitely someone who we can learn a lot from. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. 
And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.